Hey friends, welcome back to this week's episode of Fit Friends Happy Hour. I'm your non-diet dietitian, trainer, and host Katie, and this week I'm so excited to dive into this week's expert interview with trainer Britt McGrath. She is the owner of My Health Matters Fitness, a mostly virtual personal training company centered around supporting all bodies and the stories they have to tell. She is a weight-neutral, anti-diet, health-at-every-size-informed trainer who helps her clients heal their relationships with their bodies through movement. Her passion lies in assisting clients who have had or currently working through eating disorders coupled by toxic movement patterns. And wow, can we relate to that here at Fit Friends Happy Hour? Absolutely. After years of combating multiple eating disorders, anxiety disorder, OCD, depression, Britt realized firsthand how controlling her body through movement and food was never the solution. With the constant bombardment of social media images, these unrealistic societal norms, and a very toxic fitness diet industry, all communities of people are directly impacted, more specifically marginalized communities. And Britt firmly believes, like we do here, that it needs to stop. She has created this space for clients to, number one, acknowledge how they're feeling without judgment each session, while also providing an opportunity to reflect on their emotional, mental, physical well-being while questioning why and how we can stop this toxic cycle. Britt's goal is to be part of the shift away from highlighting weight loss and valuing ourselves solely on how we look and joining many other personal trainers like myself and health at every size professionals in deconstructing the fitness and diet industry's toxic ways. Welcome to Fit Friends Happy Hour a podcast about all things nutrition, fitness, and life in your 20s and 30s, all from a non-diet lens. I'm your host, Katie Hake, and I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist and certified personal trainer. Join me here every week as I talk with interesting people and experts from all walks of life about their relationship with food and their bodies. I'll also share my experience working with clients in my private practice to help women find food freedom and body confidence. I'm on a mission to help you stop quantifying and start living. Learn to stop measuring your success by the scale and find your fears. Britt, welcome to Fit Friends Happy Hour. We're so happy to have you here. Thanks so much for having me. It's nice to meet you. So Britt and I were connected through a mutual contact, a colleague that I work with in the non-diet dietitian space, and I love this woman, Amanda, who's a dietitian in on the East Coast. And I just knew, okay, if she, this is somebody that she's recommending, I already know I'm going to love her and it's going to be a great conversation. So why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself and you know, really what's your story with food and fitness? Yeah. So I've been a personal trainer for going on five years now. It's something like a profession I've always kind of flirted with a bit. Sports and movement have always been a massive part of my life. Ever since I was a kid, I played soccer was like my number one sport. So I was always playing soccer. And then I tried basketball for a little bit. And I was not good, even though I'm 5'10". And people were like, Oh, you're tall, it should be fine. I'm like, not coordinated in that way. And that's okay. <laughs> and then I actually transitioned into lacrosse, which I thought was really cool, because that's hand eye, but just a little different. It was a good offset to soccer and everything. But basically, that background helped me realize how much I love moving my body. And I loved 
like the teamwork and like the camaraderie with, with my teammates and stuff like that too. So that got me into, I did play college soccer for a couple of years until I got hurt. And then took a couple of years off and everything and just kind of tried a couple of different career paths. And then I landed into personal training and I've never looked back. I'm so happy to be a personal trainer. And basically what I do and, and what my kind of my niche is and everything, my passion is working with clients in all bodies and just helping my clients heal the relationship with their bodies and how they view their bodies, especially in regards to movement. Healing their relationship with their bodies. It's such a, it's such an aspect that, you know, of course, as dietitians, we touch on in one-on-one work, but, you know, we talk about food and then bodies is such a whole, it's almost like another category in a sense, you know, it's so integrated, but it's a whole other topic and other other aspect of mm-hmm. really the healing journey. And I know for you, you you had a major injury in college. What was that about? Yeah. So my my right side, my right knee has always been a little bit of a stinker. And um as a left-footed player, that was my plant foot. So I just wear and tear throughout the years. I end up getting Something I I guess I was born with. They said it was something I was born with, but my kneecap, my patella, kind of popped in and out of its socket a little bit. I will spare details. I will spare details because I know some people can get a little yucky, me myself included. And basically, I had to get that repaired, and a couple of ligaments moved around a bit. So it was thankfully a very easy recovery road with it. But by that. I think that started my journey with trying to understand what I want for myself in my movement as well, because that was in college and playing sports was a huge part of my, my youth and growing up. And I started to realize I was losing my passion and how can I take that passion and drive and apply it to a different movement pattern. So I started seeking out fitness classes and, and seeking out other fitness studios in the area and just trying to see how it can spark that interest again while while trying to heal my my right side and everything. So yeah. What was what was that process like for you really like what did the actual experimentation look like? You know, you mentioned different classes, different studios, like in that mindset, you know, however many years ago, what was your brain looking for and was it the thing that you ultimately found? Oof, great question. So what I was looking for then is so different than who I am now. Huge growth period that happened between the initial point and where I am now. And basically, when I first started off, I was heavily affected by diet culture. Actually, around that time of getting injured is when I started developing disordered eating and a very toxic relationship with exercising and this complete need to basically control my body in ways of movement or eating. And so I started to recognize patterns of that, but didn't know what it was at the time because not a lot of people really talked about it. Um, And while I was in college, it was kind of expected to be always working hard in your games, always having practice for multiple hours. And then of course you'd be like, all right, 
go and eat the things and like replenish your body. But no one really talked about why or like Mm. what the reasoning behind that was and what that looked like. So all I knew was exercise, eat, and no understanding of the relationship with that. And when I got injured, I felt like I lost my identity a little bit because I not only lost my passion with playing soccer at that point, but I also was feeling a little bit lost of like, who am I now as an athlete? Am I still considered an athlete? And what does that look like for me movement wise? And then that kind of brought into the fitness classes where I'm like, okay, you're playing a soccer game, which could be up to 90 minutes long. And if, if you're lucky, you would get a break and you'd be able to come in and out and stuff like that. But my body isn't meant to do that for long periods of time, especially as I age. And so when I started going to fitness classes, I would run my body into the ground, just like I was doing playing soccer. So I do so many fitness classes to the point where I started demonizing carbs and watching everything that I was eating and weighing myself all the time, body checking, all of those things. And that's kind of how I first came into fitness classes and and why I was even searching those out in the first place. Basically anything that would help me move my body, but with the wrong intent behind it. But I didn't know that at the time. Sure. And I had that journey. Yeah. And I think so many of our listeners resonate with that journey. I know that's a big part of my story started in college was, you know, falling into fitness and absolutely loving it. You know, lots of positive aspects from the group fitness side and the camaraderie and the community and, you know, all those pieces on the, you know, college on the campus level, but then taking it to the extreme. And to your point, a lot of it just really being normalized Mm -hmm. in that setting. So what was kind of the next step for you? Like when for you, did you realize, oh, this is an issue or this is disordered? Like, did you have that moment where you know, you discovered intuitive eating or did you have a label for it then? What was kind of the next part of your journey like? Yeah, I think to be honest, am I okay to swear? Please. Okay. <laughs> I'm a bit of a swearer. <laughs> we just I'm give it we just give it the yet. little the little E, the, yes. the little E for explicit on our show, yeah. and it's all good. I'll I'll be like a little bit less. Although apparently I learned that if you have like an explicit on your episode in some countries, like it's banned. It's really interesting. I can't remember which countries, but that's okay. We allow it. I'll keep it on the DL. (laughs) Like really quiet. (laughs) So basically, I mean, I think a lot of people can relate to this, this feeling of waking up and just hating my body and the way I looked in the mirror, the way I felt and close the relationship I was experiencing with food and comparison of my body compared to Instagram models and all of the social media things that came a part of that. And I basically kept waking up to this realization that I can't sustainably keep this going and I'm actually hurting myself. And I didn't know that. I didn't really realize that that was detrimental to not just my physical health, but my emotional and my mental health as well. So that was like pretty much my first wake up call when I would have panic attacks. And my now husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, was really like, how can I help you? And I had reached out to a therapist. 
I still continue to see a therapist to this day. She's fantastic. They really helped me realize some of the the triggers for me and some of my understanding of why I'm doing what I do and getting a big insight into diet culture. Cause I didn't know what that meant at the time. No one really talked about it as much, or at least I wasn't hearing it as much. I'm sure a lot of people were at that point, but my experience with it wasn't as much. I didn't know that there was a name. I didn't know that, you know, intuitive eating was as big of a thing. I didn't really understand how to help myself through those moments until I, until I started speaking to other professionals. And then I started doing my own work as a personal trainer. And so once I started becoming a personal trainer and kind of investing into CEU, so continuing education credits, um, reaching out to other professionals like Amanda, who really started highlighting that there's always this other way and actually putting a name to a lot of the things that I had struggled to figure out if what I was feeling was normal. And, you know, I'm I'm not feeling like it has to just be something that I'm struggling with at the time, which I know is so isolating for people at times when they feel like they're alone in that journey and they're not, but it's hard to find other people who are going through that and are open to talking about it. So I'm really, really glad I reached out for help because I was struggling to try to do it myself. And I knew that that was a turning point for me. And then just doing my research as a personal trainer and just realizing like traditional personal training kind of certifications and stuff is really great for that baseline and that foundation. But I love how you can make your own path in the field as well and really try to separate yourself from the traditional kind of toxic fitness industry and diet industry that has been hurting a lot of people throughout many decades now. Yeah, 100%. Uh, We talk about that on the show quite a bit Mm -hmm. as well, because that is something that, you know, I work at on an industry level is like, how do we change this? How do we change really the culture and the industry and, you know, how we're educating professionals? So I'm curious from your perspective, Mm-hmm. What were some of the things, you know, when you were studying and just kind of early in your career, what were things that you noticed that made you realize, okay, I want to do things differently when I train clients? What were some of you mentioned toxic? Like what were some of the things that you found toxic? Yeah, I think number one, talking about weight loss and just making it the forefront of the goals for people. I think like I realize that in some places that I've worked at and other like certifications that I've had looked into, like weight loss is always this huge emphasis. And I was like, this isn't okay. Like this isn't okay because there's so much harm surrounding weight loss. And that's also insinuating that that's someone's goal. Like what? And I think the more I've learned as a personal trainer, I think I've related like my own personal experience with my relationship with food and movement and realizing that I live in an average body size, that I am able-bodied and I have a lot of privilege, whereas there are many communities of people that do not have that same privilege and they don't have the same access and it's not fair. And to say that it's not fair 
is is not enough to say there's got to be a lot more that happens in helping with that reform. But just realizing like the biggest thing was the weight loss aspect and just insinuating that people who live in fat bodies or people who don't fit the traditional diet culture societal standards of what beauty is, it does not make sense. It does not make sense that they should have to be isolated from this huge thing that is the fitness industry. And how can we transform this older traditional kind of underlying of what the fitness industry is and transform it into something that is inclusive for all people? And I, I fucking love, there's the (laughs) F-bomb. I fucking love meeting people who are also invested in doing that because it needs to happen. And I'm so happy that there's so many people out there that are continuing to make that change um, moving forward. Yeah. It's so ironic. I think about this all the time, just, you know, working with different studios and gyms and, you know, places across the country. It's just we say, I think I said air quotes, we, you know, we as trainers in this industry, we say we want to help everybody. And, you know, there's all these issues, you know, there's an obesity epidemic, Mm -hmm. but the reality is we've created such an exclusive Mm -hmm. industry that makes it intimidating sometimes for people to walk into the door or for, to reach out or to, you know, to, to walk into that class. And to your point, I think that's a, the hundred percent, the mission is how can we make this industry more inclusive for all body Mm -hmm. types. So you label yourself as a body trust trainer. Can you explain to us, you know, what does that mean to you to be a body trust trainer? So it's just like one, one kind of label I put on myself a little bit. I actually heard the term and I don't know if it was exactly coined for like personal trainer specific, but it was just uh, a term that I heard. I had read Christy Harrison's book anti-diet and she was talking about ways of um I'm gonna paraphrase it, but just ways of like, how would you kind of label your relationship with your body? And one of them was body trust and like how you kind of venture forth into understanding why you're doing a movement and and how you're doing a movement and stuff. And I heard body trust and I was like, I really love that because for myself as a trainer, what I always want my clients to do is to check in with themselves. And to trust what their body is trying to relate to them. So in our sessions, if someone comes in and they're like, bro, I'm just feeling really tired and really stiff today. And I have weightlifting or maybe a routine we've been doing for a couple of weeks. And we're trying to see, all right, what's the next thing we can do this next week? And can we make any changes? And just kind of taking a moment and being like, let's enjoy what your body needs right now. And trusting that our body is telling us what we're needing. It's not always easy to hear what our body's saying. I think sometimes that is us either purposely or subconsciously ignoring what our body's trying to tell us because we've been, we've grown up in an environment that's always told us suck it up, you know, work harder. I'm losing some of the the terms and and the phrases and stuff, but it's ingrained. It's ingrained, especially, especially with the athlete's background and the yes. athlete's mindset. Absolutely, yeah. How do you find that clients respond? You know, when or or how does? Let me ask you this: How does it make you feel as a trainer? Because I remember early on as a trainer, 
as I was navigating, you know, the whole intuitive eating weight inclusive space before mm-hmm. I really knew much about it, how do you as a trainer balance, you know, trying to program and keep a client, you know, quote unquote on track towards their goals and then helping them to listen to their body, right? It's such a dance of mm-hmm. this person came in, they came to me for XYZ goals. Mm-hmm. How do I find that balance? How do I more importantly educate the client and help them to see what the balance is of, you know, that creating that structure, but also having flexibility? Yes. Oh, fantastic question. I think it's a really hard thing for new clients who haven't been in that space to allow themselves to take a breather in the fitness and movement part of it. I'm not a nutritionist, so I don't talk as much about the food aspect. I'll always like, you know, refer out to Amanda or another nutritionist or or anything like that who can talk more about the specifics. But when it comes to the movements, it's it's helping them unlearn what they've learned coming into the session and going to, I'm pretty upfront with who I am as a trainer as well. And I think that can help a lot with expectations too. So I'm always like, one, we will never talk about weight loss. Two, I'll never talk about like how to manipulate foods and things like that to help with X, Y, and Z, because that's out of my professional background. But what I can help you with is to take a second and check in with yourself. So one of my first things I do when I start a session, I go, how are you feeling today? And how are you feeling? How are you feeling in your body? What is your body telling you today? And when I have my clients do that, I've had a client say like, I knew you were going to ask me this question. And I like had just started working with them. And they're like, I actually like listened to what my body was telling me that day. And and I was ready to give you an answer. And when my clients start understanding, like, so Britt's going to ask me this question. I'm going to check it with myself before I even talk to Britt and realize like, is my body feeling okay today? And also, am I feeling mentally and emotionally okay today? Because they go hand in hand and having this ability to talk to me about it and go like, is it okay if we stretch today rather than, you know, lifting the weights and stuff like that? Or I just need to lift weights and sweat because I feel like I want to help my mental clarity, not because I feel like it has anything to do with weight loss or getting gains or anything like that. So it's hard because I think a lot of clients come from different backgrounds of their relationship with movement. But if we keep, if I keep kind of helping my clients refocus on why we're moving and transitioning it into a space of helping our bodies move, like just the longevity of it, how can we help our bodies move in, in ways that make it feel supported and protected in a lot of movements that we need to do on a day-to-day basis for real. So you really focus on, you know, when it comes to incorporating like the embodiment piece of helping Mm -hmm. clients to really understand, you know, I always told my clients when I was personal training, like my goal, and I tell my nutrition clients this now, like my goal for you is to get you to the point where you don't need me. And it sounds like really you're doing the same as far as that embodiment work of like, you know, I want you to be the boss and you to be feel empowered to make those decisions. Yes, I'm, a, I'm the trainer. Yes, I have the expertise. I have the plan. Ultimately, you can trust your body. You have that wisdom to decide what's going to feel best and ultimately what your body needs today. Absolutely. A hundred percent. 
I lo- love that. I, I just, I find it so fun when there's like the education piece of it and stuff. And it sounds like this is exactly what you do as well. You're educating in a way to help them not need you, right? And you're under, you're trying to explain the why behind an exercise or why their muscles might be feeling tight in some ways and helping them realize like, this is all a normal part of the journey too. It's not this streamline. You start here, you end here, and it's this forward progression all the time. It is a fucking roller coaster. Even us as professionals, I'm going to speak to myself, but I think you can relate too of like, it's a roller coaster of even our own personal journeys and just knowing that it's okay to have those ups and downs and understanding how do you get back into a position that makes you feel like you're continuing your journey, but not necessarily at the same starting point either. And I think it's okay to kind of take a step back and reassess and go, why am I doing this in the first place? And do I still like going down this path? Or do I want to transfer to this path instead? Because this feels like it suits what I'm looking for right now, um, Mm -hmm. going forward. What would you say, in your opinion, tends to hold people back or prevent people from meeting with a trainer to begin with? Yeah. I think we can thank the toxic fitness industry for that one. (laughs) It's like so much crap that I think has become really off-putting when it comes to personal trainers. Um, I actually, I say this on my website and I still kind of feel this to to some part. I get a little bit of an ick when it comes to saying that I'm a personal trainer because I, I, I hate feeling like that title is being grouped into all of the yucky stuff that's happened and still currently is happening. It's not like it's stopped fully, but it's still currently happening. And I, I've been trying to find ways to kind of separate myself from that, but also to realize like personal training is a very good and important field. And it's a a matter of finding the right fit and finding the right person that matches your your personality and your comfort level and respecting the boundaries you have around that journey with, with fitness. So yeah. Did that, did that answer the question? I'm done. Yeah, yeah no. It, and, <laughs> Sometimes and you lose my focus. <laughs> I'm curious. I'm curious if you have what tips you have for, you know, cause at the time of this recording, we're coming up on the new year, right? People are very much in that mindset of reestablishing habits, reassessing goals, re, you know, looking at, routines and and maybe movement is one of those. And I have this conversation with many of my clients of really just struggling to find trainers that align in in their community, right? I help locally as much as I can, but just in the space, you know, there's so, when we look at any type of service providers, there's so many options. And Mm -hmm. so it can feel really overwhelming. So what tips do you have for finding a trainer like yourself Yeah. So I think one networking is huge. So finding like myself as a trainer, connecting with other Hayes weight size, inclusive weight, neutral, like anti-diet kind of trainers and having this partnership with people is really, really important. So kind of doing the work on my end is really important. So if I can't take someone on in that space, because I'm full or I have a wait list. I want people 
to to work with someone as soon as they feel ready to. So kind of being able to to transfer on and be like, this person's really great and I trust them and I know that they'll create a safe space for you. I think doing some of the work myself is really important. And then if a client is looking to reach out to someone, I think some of the keywords can be really helpful with, with I'm going to say the G word because I got the G word in my house and she'll go, I'm sorry, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, don't listen, don't listen. <laughs> um, but just kind of doing that can be helpful. So like typing in haze, um, size inclusive, um, weight neutral, anti-diet, like, like really kind of finalizing what you're looking for or kind of even a gist of it because you might not know fully what you're looking for at that moment. Just kind of shopping around a little bit. Don't be afraid to reach out to someone too. Just because you reach out to someone, it doesn't mean, okay, great, it's sold. And, you know, that's your person. It's okay to have a couple sessions with someone and go, hey, you know, like, I thought this is what I wanted, but I think I'm going to transition to someone else. Or maybe it's, I'm not quite interested in doing this right now. And that's okay. And I think, you know, if someone were to do that to me, I would want them to find the right person for their journey. And there's things that I might not be able to provide them that I think I could then, if I've done my homework, be able to go, I think this person would be really great with you and, and help you find what you're looking for, for that. Yeah, those are those are great tips. I love the tip about searching for the keyword, but mm-hmm. like you said, maybe even just connecting and talking to people that you do know in your area. And I think really a first step too is for the listener, identify what it is that you're looking for. Like what are some of those values and key, you know, items that are really important to you? Maybe it is eating disorder aware or if you live in a larger body, maybe that is something that's really important to you that you, you you know you want a trainer who understands yes some of the challenges that you face because you know I hear this from clients as well even going into a group fitness class it mm-hmm. feels like they're not fully given the spectrum of options that yes. that they need to you know in order to feel successful in class and so understanding for you as a client what what do I really need what's really important to me. And then kind of going backwards from there. Yeah. So let's say somebody has found a trainer. They've Mm -hmm. found someone. Maybe they, you know, they're currently working with the trainer. Like the best they could find is someone who they really like. They really like their programming, but maybe they're like the, the client is further along on their intuitive eating journey. And their trainer's kind of stuck in diet culture. Like what Mm -hmm. tips do you have from a, you know, trainer client perspective to navigate that type of relationship? Yeah, it can be a little tricky. I think it depends on your comfort level as the client to talk to your trainer. Um, I am a huge fan of communication, clear communication, because we can't always guess what that person needs or wants, just like the client can't guess what that trainer is thinking and, and saying as well. I think, you know, it's definitely normal because there's there's things that I've had to unlearn with diet culture and stuff too. And I think it's still this continued journey and I'm doing the work to continually improve with that. But I would want a client to call me out on that and be like, hey, I know you mean well, or even just to be like, hey, that's not okay. Can you like make make a change? And be like, absolutely. And I think if they they like that trainer and they want to continue working with them, but maybe they're feeling more triggered with some of the comments that trainer might be making, 
have just a little conversation if they felt comfortable doing that and just being like, listen, I really like working with you, but can we not talk about weight loss or can we not talk about how much food I should be eating, you know, around my training sessions and things like that. Just anything that feels like it's a little bit more of that triggering of the diet culture and that toxicity surrounding it. And the hope is that trainer will have, you know, that openness in that feedback. And if not, good riddance to that trainer, I would say. <laughs> fire. <laughs> they're better anyway. You deserve, you're allowed to fire them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. You know, I would hope that, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but at the same time, I want listeners to feel empowered by having some of those conversations because unfortunately, sometimes like the best advocate in some of these situations is you, you know, and yeah. you can be the one to educate <laughs> though the irony, like educate the professional though, right? Of, yes. you know, you might be that person to plant the seed and they've, wow, they've never realized that the mm-hmm. comments that they make about your body when you're in a squat, you know aren't helpful, right? Can you help me really understand the why, you know, maybe you want to learn more about the education or the why behind the movement pattern versus what it's going to do for you aesthetically or whatever it may be. And that also could be not that it's ever the role of the client to necessarily educate the trainer to like, you know, like correct them all the time, but it can also really help the trainer. I think kind of take a step back and be like, I am saying these things. And also, am I doing that to myself? Because mm. there's a lot of like, for myself, I I know that I struggle sometimes with body checking and still thoughts of disordered eating at times, just like just all those like old habits kind of creeping back in because it's, you know, it's a hard thing to work through. It can be really great for a client sometimes to be like, hey, this is kind of triggering for me and have the trainer step back and be like, if this is triggering triggering for a client, I might be triggering myself and not really realizing this too. How can I help myself through this own journey? And it might actually be something that they want to do more moving forward of like not picking themselves apart before a training session or things like that. So hopefully that's kind of a mutual benefit when when we have more of these conversations, which I think is super, super important. It's just having more of these conversations. Mm-hmm. I think for anybody listening, whether you've had a trainer or not, I just, I love personal training. It's like, a, it, it's, it's a different dynamic than nutrition counseling, but it's, I mean, I think in either of those situations, like the trainer or the you know professional client relationship is like, it's so unique and it's such an amazing bond that you mm-hmm. can have to, to really see somebody work through the challenges that you know, seems so surface level, like they're showing up for a workout, but you get to see kind of that inner transformation that, that often happens along that journey. For sure. I'm curious what tips you have for listeners, just how can we protect our energy in the gym Mm. space, in the fitness space, whether it's a box gym, whether it's a group fitness class, you know, let's, I think making the decision of where to go and what place to go is like a huge first step. Then once we get there, how do we just like keep our blinders on and stay focused? Yeah. I think one of the best things to do is you had mentioned this earlier, realizing your why behind initially beginning. And that can obviously change as you, you realize more about your body and kind of what you're looking for throughout your journey. But if, if you're nervous to go into a place, say like a big box gym, 
and you're like, I, I really just want to get started. I, I want to move my body, not with the intent of anything like weight loss or anything like that. I just want to move my body because I've had a long day at work and I just want to move my body today. Going in and realizing that's your why. That's your why. I just want to move my body. And so whatever that looks like, if that's hopping on the elliptical, if that's doing squats uh, with weights, if that's you know, swimming, if you've got a swimming pool at, at your gym or anything, that would be lovely if I had one of those around, but <laughs> just something that helps you continue with your why before you go in. So if you're putting in the mindset of this is exactly what I want from today, I'm going to go and search for that and get it. And then I'm going to leave and really focusing on what you want from that, from that visit. If you're realizing that when you go, you're getting pulled in all those directions of like comparison of other people, which is normal. You talked about this in your body checking um, episode where you're like, it is such a normal human thing to compare yourself to other people. It's so normal to have that happen. But if you are starting to realize like that in turn is becoming a negative influence on you and distracting you from why you went in in the first place, maybe go at a different time of day if that is accessible for you and and being around less people or you can go and do the movements and then and then go and do what you need to do the rest of the day. If you don't have that opportunity, I would find a professional that can help you if you're not already doing that talk to another professional a professional or bring a buddy with you to be like just have some sort of support system that can help you feel validated in the experience that you're having and realizing that you're not alone but it might be nice to have a little bit of help from a nutritionist, a registered dietitian, a therapist, or even just your buddy who wants to come and do some movement with you as well. Mm-hmm. I, I love that tip. I've never thought about that of switching up the time. And another thing you made me think of when you mentioned switching up the time is I hate to say this, but there's sometimes a different vibe, a different energy, a different environment compared to what time of day you go, right? Yes. Uh, I think of a local place where, where I like to go, where I just, the YMCA's I've grew up there since like Mm -hmm. the age of 12 years old. And I just love like the community and all the different types of people that it brings in. And in the morning at this specific one that I go to now, it's, it's so funny because it's the same people. They're usually older. They are so just routine, go in, do their thing. You can almost like predict who's going to do what, but everybody's so nice and just welcoming and accommodating and will share space. And even if you're in a close space, they'll, you know, smile at you and ask how your day's going versus if you go in the evening at like 530, you get a totally different crowd. It's like bro, bro gym sesh in the basement (laughs) where people are slamming weights and it's, you can tell, I mean, again, I, I observe some of these things, but I guarantee, I promise you people listening that most people when they're at the gym, they focus on themselves, but I yes. like to kind of read the room because I think about these things, but you, you do, you see more of the people wearing different types of clothes. And, and so don't judge other people, but, but do be aware of how those surroundings make you feel. Right. I think, and what you're saying is like the time of day, like that can make a difference. And so 
I just think that's that's really interesting because if I was a newbie going in the evening, that'd be really intimidating and really overwhelming Absolutely. and a totally different experience compared to the friendly, we call them active older adults in, yes. in the, mor- <laughs> in the yes. morning who are just there to socialize and it's adorable. Yeah. That also makes me re- think too, there's like local gyms and and things like that as well, like small businesses, maybe not as much the box gyms, but some have like small groups that are specific for like nourishing the kind of like the I'm nervous. I don't know. Again, it like helps you feel seen and heard and validated because you're with other people who are also feeling that as well. So there are other communities around as well that aren't the big box gyms that have small groups that are meant for kind of nourishing that and helping you realize like, yeah, like this is scary because it is very intimidating. And I think having more of those small groups is really important as well. So just kind of doing some research with that might be helpful too, because you then will know you're kind of walking into a group where other like-minded individuals that are like, this is scary, but we're going to do it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And ultimately knowing your why. I, I think that's, I want to emphasize that again for listeners. That's so important that this is a long game. You know, you're know, you in this non-diet journey for the long game. And so you're going to be pulled in a million different directions when you enter this space, unfortunately, but that's part of our jobs as professionals is to like equip you with the tools Mm. to stay focused and stay in your lane. So you mentioned that you personally work with a therapist, you know, you Mm -hmm. collaborate with dietitians. Was that something, the collaboration, did you start that kind of early on in your career or how does, how does that dynamic look like and work for you and your clients who are working with yourself? Yeah personal training, and then doing the internal work with a dietitian or therapist. Yeah. So I feel like that happened a little more recently. I mean, I've seen a therapist since, I don't remember how how old I was. I think it was around like 20, 21, and I'm 31 now. So it's been a bit, I've seen a couple of different therapists, but I finally found my person and I love her. Love it. Uh, Love that for you. (laughs) She's great. She's great. And I know that can be a journey as well. Just trying to find the right person. Just kind of like we were talking about as a trainer as well. But that has always been kind of like the biggest constant. And then I want to say around the pandemic is when I started kind of sitting with myself and being like, I want to make change. And I knew this was the direction I wanted to go in, but I didn't. It was kind of like when I was growing up, I didn't really know what to call it and like what avenues I should go into for CEUs and connections to make with other people to develop a company that was anti-diet and was very weight neutral and just a safe, inclusive space. So that's actually Amanda came into my life at like the perfect time. And I work with Amanda myself as well. So I'm, I'm her trainer and I have worked with her with some of my unlearning that I need to do with uh, my disordered past too. And she kind of like opened up this whole other world for me and everything. <laughs> she lift, lifted the veil. Yeah. yeah, she's great. And I think that just kind of rejuvenated me to be like, so there is this happening. This is a thing I can feel like I can at least find my path with personal training where it's not just the generic kind of like you go down one route. And that's totally fine too. But I knew that that wasn't the path for me. 
And so just connecting with other um, individuals that were more oriented toward the path I was looking for. Yeah, I feel like that really started to come out more around 2020. So I'm just really grateful that I was able to make those connections with people. And I hope to continue to make more connections uh, with other really, really amazing people from the area or even um, there's a place in Kansas City and St. Louis where they're an eating disorder center. Um, they're called the McCallum Place. And they're fantastic too because I've taken some of my CEUs from them. And it's just cool to know that there's someone even that far away that is really supportive and um, welcoming as well. So I think just, yeah, just kind of connecting with people have really encouraged me to be like super rejuvenated, just kind of super excited about this journey. Mm-hmm. And I love you that. Thank you for sharing that. You know, you personally worked with a dietitian, you worked with therapists and, and being open about that on, on your journey, because I just yeah. think that speaks volumes. And for anybody listening, think about, you know, the, the person you want to become and in, in doing yeah. this work. And if you can identify those, you know, really mentors or relationships in that space, in if they're doing the work as well, that's a really great sign of yes. they're open to realizing like, I don't know everything, mm-hmm. but I'm going to create that safe space where you can educate me, I can educate you and we can kind of learn together. Maybe if the, if it's that person who just still feels like the right fit at the end of the day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this has been so good. So many great tips that that you've provided, Britt. We always like to end our episodes with my favorite question. And that is, what is the best thing that's happened to you this week? Ooh, okay. Tuesday, let's see. Or the past seven days. The past seven days. Right. All right. I was like, Monday, Tuesday, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> um, The past seven days, I think the best thing is just, I struggle with my mental health. So I have pretty bad anxiety. I have some depression. I have OCD. And this time of year can be really challenging for that. As I know for a lot of people, you know, um, it can be really isolating. And especially if you don't have the best relationship with your family, or you don't have a close friend group next to you, because you live in a different state or something. For me, like the best thing that's happened is just going out and making those connections with my family who thankfully lives very close. I have my husband with me, which is really awesome. And then I got to reconnect with one of my best friends who just had a baby not too long ago. And it was just really lovely to kind of have a little bit of that normalcy and to bring myself out of the isolation that I can definitely kind of stay in and and have that that connection with other people. So I've just been so super grateful that I I have that opportunity to do so. We really do underestimate if if you're in anybody listening who's an introvert as well, mm-hmm. we underestimate the value and the impact that like having those social interactions, like meeting with the friend, going out and doing the thing, like I don't know about you, but it sounds like I always feel afterwards like, "Oh wait, okay, I am really glad I did I did that." Yes. I felt I felt really good. Yes. I'm always like, wait, do I, do I want to do this? I know I want to do it, but like, I don't know, maybe I should just stay home. And then I'm like, always afterwards, just so much lighter and just like happier and just like, oh, I'm so glad I did that. So absolutely. <laughs> love that. I love that. So everybody take some time out of your day today to, to make the plan Yeah, to connect with others. So good. And Britt, where do you like to hang out if our listeners want to connect and, you know, learn more about your services and just your mission, where, where can they find you? 
Yeah. So I have my Instagram, which is Brit underscore McGrath underscore. And then I also have my website, which is my company's website. It's www.mhm. I kind of say like, mm-hmm. Well, that. <laughs> Fitwell, F-I-T-W-E-L-L.com. Awesome. And we will be sure to link to all those in the show notes. Britt, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is super fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fit Friends Happy Hour. If you liked this episode, don't forget to share it with a friend. You can subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Fit Friends Happy Hour. Talk to you next time.